Welcome to Wildly Empowered Women. I'm your host, Jessica Zalens. My vision is to empower women to unleash their genius and become financially independent. Think of this podcast as the equivalent of an espresso martini for your feminine. The sophisticated and delicious awakening your feminine power has been waiting for. I'm here to remind you of the wildly empowered woman you already are. Welcome back to Wildly Empowered Women. Today, I'm super excited to have Dee Zabara with us. She is a good friend of mine who I actually met through being fellow local mums. And I was instantly attracted to Dee and her energy, drive, entrepreneurial mindset, and genuine passion for women's health and just a balanced lifestyle. And What we're going to be talking about today is such an empowering conversation for women to really own and not shame and love their bodies and all that comes with that, hormones, cycles, beautiful bodies, and just embracing everything that they are. So Dee is so, so well-versed on health. Her background is as a PT, a nutritionist. She's also a mindset speaker an entrepreneur and a mum to gorgeous little Billy, who is just the most vivacious, gorgeous little girl you'll ever meet. And I'm really excited to talk on these topics because it's something that, and I could literally listen to Dee talk all day. These topics are topics that you may not have really been taught from your parents, especially from your mum, to really own, especially your cycle, your health and all these areas and unique qualities that make us women. So before we get into it, Dee, could you tell us a bit about your background and how you became so passionate about women's health and hormones in the first place? Of course. So every good story starts with your own, right? And I honestly think that, especially at uni, every single nutritionist and naturopath that I used to sit around the table with when you'd meet them, you're like, oh, what's your story? And everyone had had their own personal experience with some kind of ill health. And so for me, it was my hormones. So I was 18. And up until that point, I was super sporty, super, I'm going to put this in inverted commas, healthy, or what I thought was healthy at the time. I never needed to go to the doctor for anything. I used to eat, you know, according to my dietitian's recommendation from my years of doing representative netball, And then when I was 18, I just didn't get my period. And it sort of was spurred from year 12, being super stressed about HSC, studying like a crazy person, ended up getting a great UAI, but didn't realize the toll it was taking on my health personally. And so then around that time or a year after that, I didn't get my period for ages. I went to the gynecologist and they did an ultrasound on both ovaries and said to me, okay, you got polycystic ovarian syndrome. I also had elevated androgens, which is one of the criteria for PCOS, or I should say polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then when I remember sitting in the car and I felt as though someone had just told me I had cancer, I was so, you know, like, it's just the kind of thing that just like hits you like a bus where you you totally did not expect it. And I totally did not expect to ever have a syndrome. Because everyone used to tell me how healthy I was, la, la, la. I used to play all the sport. So for me, then I started researching. I thought, you know, oh, this is devastating. I mean, now I, now it's like, psh, 
please. But then I was like, oh, this is so devastating. And that's not to discount anybody who has just recently found out they have PCOS. Like it is a bit of a minefield, but I've, I've luckily spent the last 10 years, <laughs> 10 years of doing my own you know, figuring out my own journey and then implementing that with lots of clients one-on-one and then moving into sort of, you know, kind of trying to expand that and help a lot of people at once and sort of, you know, online kind of coaching instead. So, yeah, and I do remember thinking to myself, okay, well, what do I do? Because the advice that was given from the gynecologist was you're not likely to get pregnant anytime soon and when you do want to fall pregnant, just come back and we'll put you through IVF. And here's the pill in the meantime like the contraceptive pill. And I was like, okay, but that could be 10 years away at the time I was 18. And I remember thinking, look, I just felt so alone. I was so confused. And I thought in 10 years, surely there is something I can do on a daily basis that's going to help and change and influence my body over time. Like give me something to work on. Like I will take responsibility for my health. I didn't didn't know what I didn't know so give me the information and I will work towards it and so really that started my journey into being very passionate about female hormones and then I was a PT for a few years after doing psychology at uni for a few years but it was pageants that sort of took me out of that and I wasn't allowed to finish my studies so I never went back to university because to be honest they changed the curriculum and I was a bit I was a bit sour about it (laughs) But I took what I learned and then I paired that with what I had learned as a personal trainer. And then I sort of realized that there was this little piece missing and I started to study nutritional medicine. At the time, I was an air hostess or about a year in, I was an air hostess and I was so sick all the time, just like chronically sick. And I started to realize that there was this pattern between something we'll talk about soon like endocrine disrupting chemicals and how that influences your endocrine system, which is the system that makes our hormones, specifically our sex hormones like estrogen that we know lots about and progesterone, which I think people know less about. And at that time, I had to make the decision, wow, this is like influencing my health in a negative way. So I stopped flying. I kept doing nutrition. I realized it was like this perfect triad of like, wow, it's like mind, body, body. So it was like, food, fitness, and mindset that I could put this, these three pillars together and really go, oh, wow, this is the total picture that we need to be working on. Like these are the three pillars that if you do nothing else are the most essential, especially to helping heal hormones. And then I fell pregnant. And after doing lots of, I guess, you know, when you are new to practice after studying for a really long time, you want to generalize. You, you want to be really good. It's like, you know, like a GP. You want to be a good practitioner because you see a range of different people, a range of different syndromes, conditions, you know, both sexes and all different types of, of age groups. Like you really want that big scope so that you know, A, what you're good at and B, what you want to be good at. And then you just, you know, over time, narrow, you know, sort of narrow that down and really find your niche of the people who you can help the most. And it's usually people who were you in the past. We know this. Those are the people you can impact the most because you've been there, done that. You know exactly what it feels like. You know what it looks like on a day-to-day basis. You know how hard or easy it can be. You understand the struggles. And, you know, while each person is different, you know, you, you largely know how they're thinking and feeling at the time. 
And yeah, so it was after, once I sort of did all those three things and then fell pregnant, having hormones change my body in such an incredible, profound way. And I know you as a mom just know exactly what I'm talking about with that. I was so amazed because after all the study and understanding I had of my own human body, I was sitting there fascinated by how hormones could trigger so much change in my body, especially because I was so sick through my nine months of pregnancy with Billy. And I was like, my body has never been pregnant before. And yet it knows exactly what to do every day, every second of pregnancy. And it kind of was like my own body blew my own mind. And I just thought, oh, you know, if ever I doubted hormones as an incredibly impactful part of the human body, like, you know, I knew at that moment, okay, hormones is really, they have such an impact and influence on our day-to-day life, how we think, how we feel, the decisions that we make. And I largely do everything that I do because I believe in human potential. I want people to live their best, healthiest, happiest lives. There is no two ways about like, that's my why. I want people to be happy and healthy and I never want their health to stand in the way of what they choose to do for themselves. I never want their PCOS to make them feel so down about themselves that they don't attend an event that would have been great for them because they feel, you know, they feel fat, they feel frumpy or they don't know when their period's coming. So they don't go on the date that could have been the person that they would have spent the rest of their life with, you know, like those things. I just got goosebumps because those things are moments in time that are dictated by health and something that I believe is so preventable and manageable. It's so manageable. And if you're already in a position where, you know, you've already been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's not a life sentence. You can change your fertility outcomes. You can improve your day-to-day life. You can live a symptom-free period. It does take some time and some work, but really consistency is the only, you know, biggest part to it. You know, everything else that I do and all of the protocol that I've put together is all about simplicity and it's all about helping busy women better their health regardless of what they feel is sometimes like a life sentence of polycystic ovarian syndrome. And especially women who want to be moms. I've helped many women now fall pregnant. I distinctly remember the first girl who fell pregnant on my program, my, my flow fit six week challenge. I remember she DM'd me on Instagram. I love a good Instagram voice memo. And I remember she was crying her eyes out and I cried. I cried because she was crying so much and she was so happy I'm, you know, I fell pregnant. Oh my God. You know, thank you so much. And I just, I was like, oh yeah, yes. I'm so glad I created this and I stuck to it because, you know, any entrepreneur knows how hard it is sometimes to bring things together, especially when it's like their baby and their life's work. But it was, it was just such an amazing moment. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful every day that I have found so much passion with something so specific that I know really does and can change women's lives. It's, it's so awesome. Wow. I can so relate to so much of that. And I want to just share a little bit of my story so that these questions that I asked Dee will give you a bit of context. I also have cysts on my ovaries, but, and I'm not sure if you want to share anything on this Dee, but 
I've had various doctors say you have PCOS and then some say, well, it's actually not confirmed, but you've got cysts. And I was the same as you. Like I was about 18 when I looked into why don't I get a like a regular period and they diagnosed PCOS then and said the exact same thing like live your life don't like eat healthy exercise come back and do IVF when you want to get pregnant which you know I was 25 when we started IVF with Tio my first son like and it was like try this try this try this oh it's not working oh it's not working like do the next western medicine do the next scientific thing and then you know we eventually got to IVF And it's like, you don't question it because, well, back then I didn't question it because I didn't question as much around health as what I do now. However, when I saw you, one really good question that you asked me that maybe some listeners may not have asked themselves is you said, when did you get your period? And I was like, you know, super early. I was like 12, possibly even younger than that. And you said, um, because I've never had a regular period. And Dee was like, okay, what else was happening in your life around then? And I was like, oh, my parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And you were like, hmm, wonder <laughs> if there's a correlation there. <laughs> you know, like my dad literally moves away like three hours from home. Like there was a very stressful situation happening in my life. It's also like a really big time in a girl's world. You know, you're finishing primary school. You're sort of like half moving into womanhood when you're not really ready yet because you're getting your period you're starting high school like your body's developing and like my father figure had gone so it was like a very stressful and a lot of change scenario and then I never had a regular period and I didn't ovulate as well and then I saw D and went on this beautiful big detox protocol um we went through a lot of yeah different things to help with my health and and inflammation that I had and I also simultaneously like literally same month I started doing work on my chakras and a lot of like deep healing like really deep work going through all the chakras with my friend Anna and since then I've had a regular period every single month it's the first time in my life I'm 31 and I now have a regular cycle and I've never had a cycle before yeah so I, I know it's yeah. it's insane and 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 what's really interesting with whenever I I ask people questions around stressful triggers it almost always coincides with oh yeah it did start around that time and I think if people really just stop and think or you know ask their parents you know I was this age do you remember what happened at this age they'll be able to tell you something significant that happened in your life And it's always that connection when people put it together, they go, huh. And I feel as though I spend so much time, as much as I'm a nutritionist and a personal trainer, I spend so much time talking about stress, so much. However, people just think stress is, I've had a traumatic event happen, like, you know, something like my parents got divorced or we moved house or I was bullied, but it doesn't have to be as big as that, you know, Mm. or even like, you know, a a close friend passed away or, uh, you know, a relative passed away, that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be that big. Sometimes it's just a perfect storm of enough medium-sized things to then create that kind of, you know, it kind of just starts the chronic stress storm. And Mm. I think as well with you around the time that you're 13, we are very sensitive to estrogen when we're younger. And it's the reason why our periods usually start off really intense for a couple of years and then they kind of mellow out because our body's like, what is this? Like to the receptors. So the receptors are the one that receive the estrogen and then kind of 
kick her back into the cell. So it's like the, they're like the gatekeeper and they're like, excuse me, who are you? Uh, why are you here? And it's like your the receptors sitting on each cell. And by the way, every single cell in your immune system has an estrogen receptor. So that's a really interesting link there, especially for the endo girls, the endometrius girls, uh, endometriosis girls, sorry. It's you're so sensitive to it at that time. And, you know, something stressful can really bring that on. Estrogen is an inflammatory hormone. We do need it, but it is inflammatory, especially when it's either in high amounts or we're very sensitive to it. At that time, you would have been very sensitive to it. And so it can trigger a shed, uh, a bleed. And so then, you know, after that for you, having that estrogen surge, but then not being able to counteract it with our anti-anxiety hormone progesterone, which is also the one that not only helps us ovulate, but then when we ovulate, makes us feel zen in our second half. It's also the hormone that is the most influenced by stress for direct and indirect reasons. And it's also the hormone that I feel like I've renamed like PMS to progesterone missing syndrome, because when you don't have progesterone, that's when you experience all the PMS symptoms. You know, you're cranky, you're irritable, you're in pain, you feel inflamed, you know, you're really prone to stress or all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, your skin gets bad, you you get bloated. Um, Those are all progesterone deficient symptoms as a group, as a cluster. So it's really interesting to sort of see and then note sort of, you know, your journey and then knowing that you went into, you know, marketing and you had big clients that you were working with and like that whole journey is like stress 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 and it's it's different kinds you know it's emotional and then it's you know kind of work stress it's still emotional but and until you get to a point where you resolve things especially when you do chakra clearing you do emotional you know emotional healing and you know trauma work and things like that when you don't clear it out of your of your body then it's still going to manifest as a physical problem as well. So you've got like the emotional and the physical that are both affecting the physical and then also obviously the emotional, like, you know, how your brain functions, how you think, your personality, you know, if you're quick to anger, if you're, if you're easily a person who gets down and downhearted. So, you know, it, it's, it's this just amazing relationship that I think you know, people in our generation are starting to understand and go, oh, we have these, you know, generational traumas and it gets to a point where we get affected so much because we're now so sensitive to stress on top of stress because we've lived our whole lives in a stressful situation and now we also have all these environmental influences and sort of toxins, for lack of a better word, coming at us all the time that now that there's not only a more intense physical burden on us but there's also this pileage of all this emotional trauma and all of this emotional burden on us too and then I think people like you and I we say no this stops with me you know as I have my children and as my my young ones grow up I want to help them clear the slate and yes they will have their own trauma but they don't need to have ours as well. Mm. Yeah. 
It's so interesting thinking about that. I didn't at all think that we would go down this path, but I'm so glad that we did with the generational trauma and clearing. I remember I was working, I've worked with many energy healers and done spiral and mindset coaching and everything. And one of them once asked me, what was your mum experiencing when she was pregnant with you? Like, what did life look like for her? And it was stressful. Like there was a lot going on in our world when she was pregnant. And then she she asked what was your grandmother's life like when she was pregnant with your mum? And I'd never thought to ask those questions. I mean, why would you? If, unless someone asks you, it's like you're not, you don't really think about these things. But when my grandmother was pregnant with my mum, I was in her because a, a baby girl has ovaries with eggs in it, you know, That's when right. they're formed in the uterus. So it's like right. it makes sense when you think about it that way. Of course we need to do generational trauma work and clearing because it's not just our trauma that we're clearing it, right. it's everything that's happened in our, our mum and our grandmother's life but then also our conditioning and growing up so yeah I'm like forever so grateful for you that you even asked me that question and it you know just sparked so much in a work that's helped me so much and something that you mentioned there which I think is so beneficial to dive a little bit deeper on is the impact of stress on our cycle and what we can do to take a step back and look at our cycle and how stress plays a part. So can you share a bit about what you see come up a lot in your clients and people that go through FlowFit? Yeah, for sure. So in FlowFit, actually, week one's coaching call is all about stress because before we get into any other education, it is imperative that women understand the influence of stress. So as one example, I sort of mentioned before that progesterone is our anti-anxiety hormone. It's the hormone that we create once we ovulate. And if we don't ovulate, we ain't got nothing. We don't have any of it. So you have to ovulate. And it's kind of like, you know, if you had a floaty in a pool and then the floaty gets taken out of the pool, this is a, probably a horrible way to explain ovaries. <laughs> But let's say, you know, you, you've got a pool, then what's in the pool is like your progesterone. So even when the egg gets taken out and is sent down to the uterus to be potentially implanted by sperm, what's in, left in the pool, which then dissolves away back into the, into the ovary itself, is all of your progesterone. So your progesterone lasts for about two weeks or so. And that makes sense. Because the second half of your cycle, progesterone is your main hormone. It's what I call your hero hormone. So it's the hormone that you want to support and have lots of because it helps to mitigate stress. So then you can see when you get into this like kind of cycle of stress, stress actually stops progesterone production. And I'll explain that with another analogy. I just, I like using analogies. I always explain to people that, Let's say you have the ingredients to make a cake. So your plan is to make a cake. You're a chef, but you work at a bakery and the manager comes in and says, chef, I'm sorry, I know you were going to make a cake, but a VIP person has just walked in and now we need to make cupcakes. And so you go, well, I only have enough ingredients to make a cake, so what do I do? They're like, we need you to make those cupcakes. So scrap the cake, make the cupcakes. And so what that is actually describing is the manager is like your brain telling you when there's stress, because stress is always the most important thing for your body to address. It's about survival. So it's always going to be the most important. So when your brain is saying, hey, ovaries, 
the chef being the ovaries. Hey, ovaries, there's stress around, so you need to make cupcakes instead, which is cortisol, instead of the cake you were going to make, which is progesterone, obviously your body has to oblige. Now, when that happens, your body, every time you go through this process every single month, because this is ovulation, right, it's meant to be ovulation, when your body goes through this process every single month, it also goes through this process over three months. And I'll come back to that because it gets a little bit complicated. But every, let's say every month your body goes, okay, I've got ingredients for cake. Any stress out there? Any stress? Hey, brain, any stress? If the brain says no, then your body goes, cool, I can make the cake. The original thing that I wanted to make, and that's the progesterone. So you don't have to make the cupcakes. What I try to do with FlowFit and with almost all of my clients is go, hey, why don't we make sure that not only are we reducing the stress in the environment and the stress in our physical body so that the brain doesn't instruct us to have to make cupcakes, let's also, on top of not making as much cortisol, let's also increase the amount of ingredients so that worst case scenario, if you have to make cupcakes, then you can make cupcakes and you still have enough left over to even make maybe half a cake because life happens, shit happens. And you can't just expect to be in a completely stress-free world. But for women, it's really important for them to understand that your allopathic load is not just, am I really stressed and busy at work? It could also be, am I having relationship issues? Am I having financial hangups? Do I have internal issues going on? Like, do I have problems with my, with my detoxification? Do I have a medication that my liver has to, has to process every single day? Like all of these physical and emotional stresses on the body all stack up to make up what is called our allopathic load. So when I think people are introduced to that concept of allopathic load, they go, oh, I thought I was only stressed if I was sitting at my desk and pulling my hair out. Like I didn't know that it's just, I've just got lots of things to do and I've got to make sure I do this and I've, I've got to write that to-do list and I just want to be productive all the time and I don't get any time to chill out. And, you know, it's just that, I think it, that was the biggest mindset shift for me. I was like, wow, if that's true, almost everyone is way too stressed. So then you add on top everything that I'm sure we're going to talk about next, which is all about those environmental chemicals that specifically have a target for our endocrine system, the one that makes our hormones. And there you have so much hormonal imbalance and it makes sense because it matches what's happening in today's day and age with especially young girls and a lot, a lot of women our age and slightly younger uh, and slightly older. So, you know, kind of like 20s, 30s, 40s that have this like insane number of hormonal imbalances and hormonal conditions. It makes so much sense, especially when you're talking about the progesterone and, and how stress creates cortisol. Like with both my pregnancies, and I'll share a bit about, uh, you know, I did IVF with Teo and then we tried IVF four times to fall pregnant actually fell pregnant, lost the pregnancy, which I'll also explain, definitely due to the stress in my body. I couldn't, you know, hold a pregnancy. And then I fell pregnant naturally with Freddie. And both times the doctor was like, oh, you need to use progesterone pessaries because you're not producing enough progesterone. So for um, the first 12 weeks of both pregnancies, I had to supplement. 
with progesterone. And when you explain it that way, it definitely was because of stress, you know, like my body hundred percent would have been <laughs> producing more cortisol and not progesterone because I was working quite a, you know, full on job and trying to be a mum and doing, wearing all the hats at the time on both. And it's, I look back now and it's so obvious, but when we were trying with Freddie and we did four <laughs> rounds of IBS, I mean, I was doing the embryo transfers in my lunch break. I would be ducking out to the IVF clinic, which was like a 20 minute Uber, quickly going into a lab to do the embryo transfer and coming out, ducking straight back to work, to meetings and everything and like pretending like nothing had happened. Like, of course, <laughs> my body wasn't in a zen, great, beautiful environment and state to fall pregnant, you know? Like it's really the, not not in all practitioners, but I feel like it is a really missing piece talking about stress in your health. And the, I can only talk from my experience, but my experience going through IVF never was it asked. Like maybe we should look at your holistic health. Maybe we should look at your stress. Maybe we should look at why you couldn't fall pregnant in the first place and address those things and get your health in the best place before we do another round or before we, um, you know, carry on and try different things. So it's such an important one. And I hope, you know, the women listening can feel a bit more empowered to take ownership and control of the stress in their life in all different areas because it does play such a big part. What I'd love to talk to now, because I was going to actually ask you about the, the impact of stress on our cycle but you've explained that so beautifully so talking about hormones and periods what is it that you feel we should all look at in terms of our lifestyle like diet coffee alcohol obviously stress is a big one like what's your advice around what we should look at to have more comfortable cycles yeah look the three pillar approach for sure with food movement and mindset but if you are, let's say you're on a detox and then you just, you go out for a night and you drink a shit ton of wine. Okay. That's, that's okay. Right. That's a one-off, but let's say you're on a detox and every single night you're drinking wine. So you're detoxing and retoxing and detoxing and retoxing. You're never going to make steps forward. So most people understand and have some good ideas around healthier choices. Now, there are a lot of people in this world that society would deem healthy that I would not, but let's just say that there are a lot of people who understand healthier choices and it's not really that hard to make better choices. There's a lot of option these days. And basically if it's in a packet, it's processed. So if you move away from processed foods and have mostly whole foods that you then cook yourself, you're pretty sweet. Obviously, there is a lot more to it, but it's a fairly low-hanging fruit, in my opinion. The movement side of things, well, people just go to the gym and most women will just go hard out. And I'll talk about like training and your cycle if we have time for that. But most women go hard out, but it's still better that they are exercising than sitting on the couch. So there's that. And then there's the mindset work, which is the opposite of the stress that you're experiencing. It's the thing that's going to mitigate the stress. It's the thing that's going to prevent your body from having a stressful reaction because you're being proactive about it. And that includes things that I call the three daily practices. And these are the things I have found over the years and experts have said over and over again, give the biggest return on investment. 
It's like a small amount of your day that you invest and they give massive return on your investment in terms of your stress resilience and I guess your a balanced approach to mental health. Like, you know, you could just deal with stress better. And that includes meditation, journaling and grounding. And some people might call that earthing. So like being in contact with grass, sand, rocks, dirt. Once those three things are under control on a daily basis and then obviously a weekly basis, you can start to get strategic. But there's one missing piece there that specifically influences and impacts women and doesn't really tend to impact men that much because it's like a women's-based industry. And that is the industry of the beauty industry. So our beauty industry markets to us all day long. Hey, you should smell good. You should look good. You should do your hair. You should do your nails. You should wear makeup all day. You should fake tan. You should, you know, use this tool and that tool. And everything in our environment that is that is just the average consumer and the information that they're getting is you need to change your appearance and you need to be feminine. The problem with the products that we're using is that it is full of things called endocrine disrupting chemicals. And so I've sort of touched on that before. These chemicals mimic estrogen in our body. So we end up with this surplus of estrogen. When we have too much estrogen, our body then has to get rid of that because we just have our own plus external estrogen. And then it puts a really big load on our detoxification system. The problem is that most people's detoxification system, especially as women, is so overloaded as it is because you walk outside and there's cars on the road and then someone walks past you with a cigarette and then our houses are just, I mean, we've been isolating for God knows how long. So our houses are just infested with just like, you know, germs and things and no one's like, outside all day and and getting that fresh air and you know even just being in contact with with air and and nature and what that all amounts to is just this intense intense pressure on our detoxification system so there are a few massive endocrine disrupting chemicals specifically parabens have been tied to breast cancer in the research which shows us that there is like a very direct and I guess universally accepted link between these chemicals and their effect on our hormones in different places like obviously we have a lot more estrogen and more estrogen receptors or are more sensitive to estrogen around our breasts like that's the reason why as women we have bigger boobs and guys have pecs or you know like they they don't have like they don't fully develop like we do because in different areas we have different receptors so we can see there that there is that kind of direct link so parabens is one that we need to be careful of but we will also often now see paraben free sls free fragrance free the only problem with all of that is is that if the company themselves are not privy and understand really understand what I'm talking about here when I talk about endocrine disrupting chemicals then it's just a marketing ploy to go hey we're paraben free we've got all these other things in there but we're paraben free so it's fine and a lot of women get tricked into using these other products because they're trendy they're cool they work they resurface my skin they make my hair so glossy they make me smell so good and 
all of the things that we're putting on us on a daily basis is like filling the pool of all of this, you know, just filling the pool with all of these toxins. And again, it's our liver and our gut, but mostly our liver that has to go through and process and and get rid of all these extra toxins that every single day that we're exposed to. And I think we'll talk about one specifically as well. If a product smells good, like real good, like not natural good, but real good, you should be concerned about that. It's like a rule of thumb. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I am such an endocrine destructor nerd because when I, so after I did the four rounds of IVF and they didn't work, I decided to go down the natural route and like really question why as a healthy young woman, I couldn't fall pregnant without IVF. Like I really was just like, F this, like, I don't want to go down the Western route. I really actually want to dive deep on this. So I started doing exactly the same. I did some research into endocrine disruptors and I got anal. Like I'm talking, I got rid of all the plastic in our house and replaced it with glass. I went on this like really clean eating diet, lifestyle more more than diet because it's just a long-term lifestyle change of nothing even out of plastic. So like, you know, you buy rice at the supermarket. I couldn't buy a packet of rice because it comes in plastic. And it, what it really did was it educated me so much on all the tiny little factors that add up to our endocrine system being so overloaded. Like, so, like you might think, oh, they're all little tiny things. You don't have to be that anal. But it's like, well, they all add up to huge things. And one big thing, yeah, was beauty. I mean, my mum hand makes natural skincare. So all my skincare is natural. But I looked at my beauty products and I was... Like I thought I was pretty good, but when I actually looked at everything from shampoo and conditioner to toothpaste to deodorant to like every single thing that touches you, even chlorine in your water that you shower in, like literally every single part of it and then everything that I drank, and I know you did a reel on this recently, and because I'm such a, you know, I'm into sustainability, at the time I was using a keep cup, which is awesome because drinking out of a takeaway cup and the lid and also the lining of the coffee cup was one of the biggest things that I found in my like research too, not to drink out of. So there were so many different things that I, like so many different lifestyle changes that I made in order to fall pregnant naturally. And when I went to a biochemist about two and a half hours away, he checked my blood and did all these tests. And he said, wow, like your liver is under like a lot of stress. Mm. He's like, your liver's under stress. You've got like insane inflammation and he did a live blood analysis and, and he could see my blood cells and they weren't looking healthy. And this was a shock to me. And anyone that knows me or has seen how I eat, I'm a pretty healthy eater. I thought I was a fairly healthy eater, right? And I don't eat heaps of meat. I don't eat heaps of dairy or, you know, wheat, gluten. It's in my diet, but it's not a massive part of it. And, and you know, I thought I was fairly good with alcohol and coffee. But again, it's like all of those things adding up. And especially the endocrine disruptors adding up to impact me on a like on a massive scale. So what is it that like what do you do on a daily basis in terms of what you eat and the choices that you make to make sure that your system isn't working overtime to try and cleanse out those toxins? Yeah, well, so I guess the answer really is flow fit. So mm. my six week challenge is how I live. Some people make programs and they're like, guys, buy my program. But that's not how they live. I live 
every single day as though I have paid for my own course, like mm. exactly like that. So I always am conscious to make sure that I'm having for various reasons, the right combinations of macronutrients. So our macronutrients being proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, they all play a different role in the body. And especially when it comes to, you know, protecting the liver and making sure that we have things like good gut integrity, which is also part of the detoxification system and helps to balance our endocrine system. It's really important to make sure that we're having lots of proteins. Fats are very important for hormone production. So, you know, a lot of women, especially like women older than us and like our like mum's kind of age, went through this whole like low fat, no fat phase for, for decades. And really that robbed their body of being able to make the raw ingredients. It's part of the ingredients I was talking about for the cake. You know, they really robbed their body of being able to make hormones because hormones are made from cholesterol. Cholesterol comes from fat. If you don't have any fat in your diet, well, your liver will probably start to make it. So your LDL cholesterol will probably be quite high. So a little hack for people is to look at supplementing with fish oil because, in, you know, in the literature, fish oil has made an, a huge impact and it makes total sense why because your liver is always like, hey, got to help out those hormones. So if your body isn't eating any cholesterol, your liver will try to help you make that. And this is what we usually see as well in menopause. So in menopause, you'll see LDL usually going up because your body is freaking out about the fact that all of a sudden it's got no estrogen. So it's like, oh, let's, oh, the estrogen. Oh, no, no, what's happening? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a pretty common thing that we see. So I always try to make sure that I'm conscious of how I'm eating in terms of like grouping all my macronutrients, making sure all of those three macronutrients are present in each meal. I eat minimally processed food, like really minimally processed. You know, you see me on a Friday morning at our local organic farmer's market, and that is probably the only time in the week that I eat anything that is, you know, more on the processed side, which is kind of ironic. Like I do my beautiful big shop, but then of course there are other stalls that are sort of still better for you options, but, you know, they're more treat foods. And so, you know, I, I just make sure I just don't have a lot of processed food. I make sure I drink a lot of water. It's like such groundbreaking stuff. I know it's very basic. And I also make sure that I move my body, that I train. It depends on what I'm going through. You know, if I have like a really big launch or I'm really tired in the second half, I like to listen to my body a little bit more. If, if I feel as though I don't have the energy or do not want to part with the energy um, because I need it for something else, then I'll make sure that I train about three times a week and I do weight training three times a week. And then around that, I might do like a walk or yoga at home or Pilates or something like that. But I just don't, I don't have to, I don't ever sit down and feel guilty and judge myself because I haven't done it. I haven't trained enough. I once did that. I don't do that anymore. And so I just make sure that I appropriately move my body. But it's because I understand my body that I can do that. It's like a luxury to go, oh, I speak body language. So when my body talks to me in terms of symptoms, I actually understand what it's saying to me. And then I can give it what it needs as opposed to just going, oh, well, you know, society says I have to train seven days a week. So I better do that. I better go to my hit class and smash myself, regardless of how much energy I'm trying to conserve to do other things like be a mom, have a side hustle, be a great partner, you know, have a social life, all of those other things, sleep well. I mean, you know, the, the list goes on of, of what we need energy for. And then when it comes to the focus pillar, for me, it's so important to make sure every single day I am cleaning my slate and 
you know, really trying to understand myself better and go, okay, why was I triggered here? What happened there? What's making me stressed at the moment? What are some solutions that I could offer to myself, like my own little bestie, you know, having a little conversation and go, hey, D, you need this right now. It's like, what would I say to my best friend? Well, I would say this, 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 this. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's the advice that you need. I'm making sure that I'm getting charged by being outside, standing on grass, standing in the sunshine, you know, recharging my cells. Like all of that stuff makes such a difference. And then also making sure that I'm not exposing myself to a lot of toxic chemicals. Like if people really like don't know what it's like, really try to go plastic free for a day, you will die at how much plastic you're exposed to on a daily basis. And then I guess like an underlying part of all of that as well is just making sure that I have good recovery, which is still part of the focus pillar, but good recovery and ensuring I have amazing digestion. That is like, I I think, you know, I I feel like I spend so much time talking about stress and the probably the second next thing I talk a lot about is digestion because you can have an inflamed body and you can give it the world's best, most healthy whole foods diet and if you're putting it into an inflamed body, it's still not going to extract 100% of the nutrients. Maybe it extracts 40% or 30%. But you hand that same diet to somebody who, you know, looks after themselves and understands their own body. And they have the ability to extract, you know, 90, maybe even close to 100% of the nutrients that they're given the opportunity to extract. And so your digestive system is just the way that your food gets from on your plate to in your cells. And the more that you can help that process, like chewing properly, making Mm. sure you breathe before you sit down to eat, like you're not distracted, rushing around in a stressed out state. Like there's a reason that it's called the rest and digest response. You got to rest first, take a couple deep breaths to then digest so that you can actually like your body goes, oh, okay, I'm not going through stress. Well, that means I can make the appropriate saliva to start to break food down. I can make the appropriate stomach acid to start to break food down. I can, I can put the right pH in the small intestine. I can, you know, like all of those things are just such huge, huge contributors to how vibrant you feel because of how much nutrients or how many nutrients you can extract from your food. And you know the biggest enemy to that, to digestive function, is stress because stress will stop all of that in its tracks because you're in one response or the other. You're either in fight or flight or you're in rest and digest. So if you're rushing around like a crazy person with their head cut off and you're trying to sit down to eat, your body is not going to be able to digest that very well. And it could be a reason why people who have frantic jobs, running from meeting to meeting, shovel down their lunch. And then a couple of hours later, they're like, I am so bloated. It's like, yeah, you don't have digestive function. Like like nothing is going to help you unless you stop, put the distractions down, sit down for 10 minutes and stop moving and just sit there, be present and eat your goddamn food. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, look, there's lots of levels and lots of layers to it, but I think a lot of people still miss the basic foundations of eating well, moving their body and really being mindful of what they're putting and doing to their mind. So I think, yeah. I love that. It's such a good reminder with food and it's not just for your digestion. It's also like sitting down and actually paying gratitude for your food and what you have and, you know, like actually 
taking a moment for yourself to sit there and go, I'm really grateful for this food and, you know, like actually playing the mindset part as well as the digestion part. And it's funny that you say that because um, I've been going to the PH clinic to the beautiful Joe who Dee put me on to for colonics lately. And we've been obviously talking a lot about digestion as you do. And we were talking about my digestion, you know, we were talking about the general diet and then she um, brought up the topic of chewing. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting one. Breakfast and lunch. Yeah. You know, like I'm at home and it's pretty simple for me to actually have the time to eat. But when it comes to dinner with two kids at the table, I'm getting up, getting down, getting tomato sauce to try and make them eat their veggies. And then (laughs) someone throws their spoon and, you know, it is chaos every night in my house for dinner. Like I shove in a piece of food and then I go and do whatever else and come back, shove in food. Like, and I'm trying to get my two kids to eat. Like that's, that's my primary focus really. And when she said that, I was like, Hmm, let me think about this. Could the bloating (laughs) be related to the fact that no, I don't chew my dinner 20 times. Like I definitely don't. Mm. Um, And so I spoke to my husband about it and we were like, okay, let's maybe try to eat when the kids, after the kids go down, because a much more enjoyable experience B, I don't have to inhale my food. I actually chew it properly. And I think, you know, definitely it's a thing of like how like your workplace and whether you actually have time to sit down and properly not just eat but digest also as parents you know dinner time isn't often you know it feels like a luxury to have 20 like to have time to chew 20 times for a a mouthful of food sometimes so it's like if you can't do that with your kids like what can you do you know we we're responsible for our own life our own digestion our own health like it's if something isn't working, what can you do to make it work? So I love that that topic because I think it's some good questions to ask ourselves. I wanted to ask, and I'm not sure how much deeper you want to dive into this, but in terms of what fitness to focus on at different stages of your cycle and what exercises to actually do, and I know this is flow fit is perfect for this, how do you know what to do? Like if you're in your bleed, what should you be focusing on in terms of moving your body? Yep. So first of all, let's look at a cycle. A cycle usually for the average woman is about 30 days. So we used to think, oh, 28 days, but there's a very small percentage of women that are actually that 28 days. So it's around about 30. And I would even say 31, 32. And that all, all that, those days, those number of days, including up to day 35, is all a, what we call a normal cycle. So if your cycle is anywhere between three and five weeks, it's still deemed a normal cycle. When you look at that cycle, you could really split it in half and the halfway point is ovulation. So the first half of your cycle, because estrogen is your hero hormone in the first half of your cycle, your body is geared to do energetic things. It's like, I can do hit if you want. I can do a, a heavy cardio session. I can do a heavy weight session. Your body, you will naturally have more energy in that first half of your cycle anyway. So it's about, again, understanding how to listen to what your body is telling you, listen to the symptoms and how you're feeling and go, okay, and act accordingly. In the second half of your cycle, which is just after you ovulate, and it does include your bleed, so while you've got your period for the first couple of days. Now, this is really my interpretation of how to split the cycle in two halves. Other people will disagree. I guarantee doing it this way is going to be the most effective because this is when you start to then at around day three after you bleed because bleeding is day one. 
when you get up to about day three, your estrogen starts to peak again. So then you flip back into your first half. So in the second half, after you ovulate, just after you bleed, that's when progesterone should be your hero hormone. Now, often when women start flow fit, it's not their hero hormone yet because they haven't produced enough because it takes a little bit of time for your body to catch up because the process of that follicle maturing is a hundred day process. So that egg that then arrives has been baking for three months. So I always say whatever your period is today is a reflection of what's happened over the last three months. And it's also, I think, contributes to why women have a lot of follicles on their ovaries, sorry, a lot of cysts on their ovaries because they haven't matured enough. They don't have the right signal to go, okay, pop off now. And then a whole bunch of them that are just undermatured are trying to grow and grow and grow. So they get to that critical point where luteinizing hormone says, okay, time to go head down to <laughs> head down to the uterus, down the fallopian tube. Yeah. So, so there's all of that as well, but yeah, in the second half, you, when you spend a little bit of time doing this, you know, I, I always say three months, but I tell you what, I see changes in a week in that second half, you're gearing towards more progesterone. And in that second half, you have a couple of awesome things happening. So you, should you have enough progesterone, you are more stress resilient. So you're actually better at coping with stress. You have a faster metabolism. So you can actually eat more and feel less guilty, which is the total opposite of how women feel, regardless of the fact that suddenly they're hungrier. It's like, yes, your body is doing something for a reason. Feed it. Just don't feed it shit food. Yeah. <laughs> because that'll come back to bite you in the next period and the next one and the next one and the next one. So I think when you deprive yourself at that time, that's when you go for like the sugary lollies, the chocolate, the starches, the bread, whatever, because you're not listening to your body and you don't understand it enough yet to go, oh, my body actually needs this. It's asking for it and it's a-okay. It's exactly what it needs. So yeah, so we got that second half. And so in that second half, you've got that cranked up metabolism. So you can just chill a little bit more. You know, you have a little less energy, like perceived energy. And that's why your body is asking for a little bit more in terms of like the food side of things. So it needs a little bit more in. And then the first half, you go back to a little bit more out, but it needs a little bit more in. And at that time, you can still do your heavyweight sessions. I don't recommend you do HIIT, but some, some women have amazing energy all throughout their cycle, but this is not really for them. This is for like people who struggle with symptoms. So I, I wouldn't recommend HIIT at that time because you'll just burn yourself out. Um, mm. And this is all the, also the time to do like yoga, Pilates, swimming, walking, you know, breath, breath work, like Tai Chi kind of, you know, anything that is a calming and restorative practice. It's just so sad to think and to know because I just know so many women are in this boat is that they do that kind of stuff. They just don't feel like it's enough of a workout. They're like, well, I'm not on the floor sweating, so this is not enough. It's not good enough. I have to do another session or I have to work harder tomorrow or whatever it might be. But at this time, your body needs more recovery. So listening to your body, helping it with active recovery like yoga, Pilates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is going to help set you up for a good first half again. And it's not like the first half is the only half where you can get things done. No, you're still moving forward. You're just kind of stepping to the side, taking a breather, 
still moving slightly forward, but it's really in your first half where you, you make those biggest strides because you can build the most muscle. Your body is really good at, you know, your digestive function is really good. So it's really good at breaking down foods at that time. So you can give it things like raw foods and it actually does better on raw, more raw foods than if you did that in the second half of your cycle. In the second half, you might lose a few nutrients through a lot more cooking, but your body needs you to just make it a little bit easier because it's struggling a little bit. It's, it, it needs more recovery. It needs to conserve energy and build that energy back up. So, and that, that's why at that time you eat that cooked food, you still train, but just have more like rest days in between, focus more on recovery, and then you push back into that next first half again. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like, it's almost like an accelerator brake situation, but you have to be actively pushing the brake. You can't just take your foot off the accelerator and expect it to fix itself. You know, you have to push the accelerator. So it's okay to push yourself in the first half of your cycle. It's okay to, you know, do that extra hour on the computer. It's okay to have a little bit less sleep in that first half. Like this is, you know, it's not ideal, but if you had to, it's better. You do it in your first half. You know, it's better to have big conversations at that time, you know, whether it's around work, it's better to eat food that are harder to digest. It's better to do that extra training session if you haven't hit your kind of, you know, good amount of like, you know, three to five or whatever works for your body. And then in the second half, you have to actively push the, the, the break. So you have to actively recover, actively work on mobility and flexibility. Um, have a massage at that time. Get a colonic at that time. Self-love, self-care kind of things at that time. It just makes you feel so amazing. And what's interesting is that if you look at the different energies, we talk about masculine and feminine energies, you are mostly in your masculine energy in the first half of your cycle. And then you are mostly in your feminine energy in the second half of your cycle. And it's really interesting because we see a lot of women with a lot of go, 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 like a lot of grit, stress, get through it, like really powerful, a very masculine energy. And they burn themselves out very quickly because they lack that feminine sort of yin side which is just, you know, it's just that polarity within that one person. It's not like there's a one better way to be, but you just need that balance of both energies. And it's beautifully matched in our womanly cycles. Mm. It really is. And it just shows how important it is to even track your cycle in the first place and to really honor it. You know, like when you're talking about not honoring the fact that your body probably needs slightly less full-on exercise then other times in your cycle, like when you know where you are, like which season you're at in your cycle and you trust it and you're like, it's not forever, it's just a week, it's just two weeks, like chill, trust your body and know that it knows what it's doing and knowing how to honour it in those different weeks and the first half and the second half, like it makes sense to actually attune your food and your exercise to where you are. So Absolutely. I love that. And I hope if you're not tracking your cycle, this has inspired you too, to anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one last question on regarding food and fitness and, and whatnot. Are there any foods or drinks or things that you would recommend avoiding? I can't believe I'm asking the question because I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure I don't want to know the answer to this, but yeah, I'm going to ask it for our listeners. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> Uh, coffee and alcohol would be Damn it. <laughs> would be it. <laughs> Excellent. And why? So coffee burns out your adrenal glands. It just adds to the stress. 
Look, some people are good at processing caffeine, but because if you don't track your cycle, your caffeine sensitivity also changes in your cycle. So in the first half of your cycle, you can have more coffee and get away with it. In the second half of your cycle, oftentimes you'll have less coffee and be like, I feel like I'm shaking, like I feel anxious. This doesn't feel good. And that can even happen to people who are fast metabolizers of caffeine. So there's two types of people pretty much. There's like fast metabolizers and there's slow metabolizers. Those who are slow metabolizers of caffeine, they'll have a coffee. This is me, unfortunately. They'll have a coffee. Oh, yes, yeah, so I'm not so burned by my own advice because I'm like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't do my body anyway. And they'll, they'll be like basically shaking all day, you know, slight tremor and just feel really like, you know, wired. Like their stress response is really in action and yeah so so that's that's coffee and then alcohol all through the month you know there's no I mean I really could talk about alcohol the emotional side of why we drink alcohol for hours but I won't because alcohol has no human need in the body it just doesn't your body does not need toxins in the form of alcohol it's just pure calories right I mean not that I get hung up on calories it's neither here nor there but if you look at it it doesn't have really any nutrients in there. Resveratrol is, I'm not even going to go there with that conversation. Like, yes, okay, it's got an antioxidant in it. Great. It doesn't negate how bad mm. it is as an overall beverage. And we abuse it as well. And the worst thing is we abuse it because we're trying to fill an emotional need. And, and we're also trying to seem more funny and seem more entertaining and seem like we're more carefree. Like, that is just distraction and avoidance and escapism. And I am not here for it. I just am a firm believer in just confronting your shit. And, you know, and then like really think about that. You know, look, I don't want to put anybody off because they're like, no, I can never have alcohol. That's not true. Pick your moments. An alcohol beverage or an alcoholic beverage with girlfriends in a beautiful environment, you know, connecting and feeling like you're bonding with them versus a wine at night because you are so stressed that you'd feel like you just need a distraction to unwind is actually very, very different physically in terms of how it influences your body. And obviously emotionally, but physically as well, specifically, which is, which is the coolest part about it. So coffee and alcohol would definitely be it. And then just processed foods, you know, things that are like super, super tasty because they change your taste buds. And then the more that you have those super, super tasty foods, which we call hyper palatable, like they're just so easy to eat. Like if it's just so easy to eat that you could eat a packet or two, then you know that that's the kind of food that changes your taste buds, does a lot of other things, but it changes your taste buds. So it's like the next time you eat, your taste buds have changed and your taste buds want more tasty food. And then you just get caught in this vicious cycle where it's like more tasty, more tasty, more tasty before you know it, you're eating like just purely processed foods because it's the only foods that will kind of satisfy your sweet tooth or your savory tooth, whatever it might be. Mm. Yeah, so that would be the main ones. So interesting. And that just reminds me of something that we were talking about when we caught up the other day with food and, and your beautiful, I'm going to call it an affirmation because it's such a good reminder for everyone with food. When you were saying how you have taught Billy that food is fuel. Like when you remind yourself of that, food is not an emotional escape. It's not going to solve your problems. It's not a way to escape. It's actually fuel for your body. Then it makes sense. Like alcohol as delicious as wine is like it actually has no nutrients in it so how could it be fuel like how could it be fueling anything good in your body so yeah good reminder and also with the coffee 
Um, I don't know if this, if you've like found this with PCOS, but I was told that by a couple of different doctors that coffee is probably the worst thing that you can do if you have PCOS. Like it's probably one of the worst things that you can drink and put like the stress on your adrenals and on your digestion if you do have that. So it's an unfortunate truth, but you know, like it, it, it is a truth. So we can't just skirt around the fact that, yeah, it might disappoint a few people, but it's the truth that, you know, yeah. yeah. And it's also very interesting because the people who need the most coffee to fuel their very busy lives are the people who are most stressful and the people who need it the least. And it's kind mm. of funny because it's like with meditation, the people who find it hard to meditate are the people who need to meditate most. So imagine, oh my gosh, imagine, but you took a coffee out of someone's hand and you're like, honey, you need to meditate. I know it's the last thing you want to hear, but it is absolutely true. It's like, that is not what you need. You need less of that and more of this because yeah, that's, you know, that coffee gives you this false sense of energy. And the, the thing that I always say is that it's giving you energy now, but it's robbing you of energy later. You're only stealing from yourself. And that is what leads to chronic stress because you start off with acute stress, like day in, day out, just full on, full on, full on. And you just need coffee to fuel you in that moment and create that sense of energy for you in the moment. But then you get to the flip side of that coin and it's just gradual burnout and you don't recognize it or realize because you're so busy fueling yourself with the coffee in the first place that you actually can never stop and go, okay, what's my energy actually like? And then I used to sort of do a coffee test with a lot of um, one-on-one clients when I used to do one-on-ones. And I used to say, go off coffee for a week and then tell me how you feel each day. And it would be normally for people who have three plus coffees a day, my hat off to them. I commend them because I've never had that like real strong attachment to coffee, but I hear it's very hard is that, you know, that first three, four, sometimes even five days, you feel like shit. And the reason you feel like shit is because coffee was masking how you were really feeling that whole time. So had you known that you felt like shit, you would have done some recovery work to look after yourself and get you back to feeling balanced. But that goes unnoticed because you're so busy just distracting yourself with coffee and trying to push yourself to create this, this insane sense of of perceived energy. And I think this is like the productivity problem that we suffer with these days is that we just think we need to do more, more, more. And our self-worth is rooted in how much we can do. And that's why we're just smashing the coffee and just trying to fuel ourselves to an unrealistic standard of, of what's achievable. And also it's not sustainable. You ask any entrepreneur, anyone who owns a business, it is not sustainable. Mm. Yeah, love that. And I agree, you know, when when you gave me that advice of cutting back on alcohol, on both alcohol and coffee, but coffee particularly, the first three days I had headaches and I was like, this is so telling, this is scary how bad I feel without coffee. It's like my body needed it. It was like the hit or the drug that it was like absolutely addicted to. So, yeah, it was a big wake-up call to me. And I look back on when I was working full-on hours and, I actually had this belief that I couldn't do my job without a coffee. I would do anything to show up to work with a coffee because I just, again, it's the emotional attachment, the conditioning, the beliefs. It's not the actual coffee. It could have been decaf and it's it's just the placebo belief that I had of like I need a coffee in order to work at my best. And if I had just believed in myself and my ability, I could have had anything, a green juice, (laughs) and done the same, you know, like, it's such a, and, you know, we live in a, in a coffee society, like Sydney, Australia, like we're such a coffee society here. But, yeah, if you really go, like if you really go deep on why do I actually have it outside of the taste, 
there's usually beliefs around why you need it. For sure. And it's more of a lifestyle thing than anything, yeah. Um, okay, so where can people find you on social media or join in on more conversations around everything that we've spoken about today? Well, if they follow me at dzabara on my Instagram, I'm very active on my Instagram. I don't really use a lot of other social media channels. To be honest, it's a lot dealing with one. If, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I Love that. Um, yeah. I also have a, a YouTube channel as well where I am currently documenting my process to fall pregnant. So I'm obviously using my own program, FlowFit, and that is Dezabara uh, on YouTube as well. And hopefully people stick with me because I've got some very exciting things that I'm going to launch yes. very soon that I know we're not allowed to talk about right now, which is a little bit annoying. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty epic. So I, I really hope that people not only follow, but I really uh, I am, am so like this is just so true and, and just really genuine. If you have a question and you are struggling, please ask me. I am on my DMs on Instagram mm. all day long, voice messaging responses to people and asking them about their life. Like I do what I love, so don't feel like a burden. Like if you have questions, chances are somebody else does and you give me ideas around, you know, how to address questions and how to help more people anyway. So you're really doing me a favour Um, And I hope that I can help you with some advice that I have. Everything that I suggest is always, you know, implementable for the average person. And if it's not, then I don't suggest it because I believe that that's life and that's the reality. And if we make it too hard, no one's going to do it. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think not only me, but all every client that I have, every FlowFit Fox, we're all living proof that it doesn't have to be hard and you can absolutely transform your body and your hormones and have your hormones do a lot of the work for you. Like when it comes to weight loss, which is largely how I want people to, you know, come to flow fit. I want them to come with stubborn weight. That's what I want them to come to because I know what you want and I'll give you what you need (laughs) so that, you know, it's a healthy approach to, to weight loss as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I forgot what I was going to say at that point, but um, yeah, I just, I really want to be able to genuinely help people. And I hope that they're not shy to reach out to me because yeah, I'm very lucky to love what I do. And you have so much value on your Instagram. So Dee's Instagram will be in the show notes. Whatever your biggest takeout was from this podcast, we would love for you to screenshot it and tag us and just share whatever it was that Dee shared that you really got a lot of value from and you feel other women would get value from as well. So thank you so much, Dee. And guys, please enjoy Dee's Instagram because it is just like such a beautiful playground of all things. Um, I I think very empowering for women's health. So thank you for all that you do because I I love your content. What advice would you give your 21-year-old self? If you could go back in time, give her a cuddle and give her some advice. I would say always trust your gut. Yeah. Because there are things that you know and you can't explain how you know them, but you just need to listen to her because you'll be very grateful that you did. And it just builds strong, beautiful women that understand themselves, that know their boundary and can make great contributions to the world. And had I not listened to my inner voice and my gut, I honestly wouldn't be where I am today. And I feel as though I am a very successful person. Like I might not have bucket loads of cash, 
but I have, you know, such good balance in my life in all areas of my life. And I'm just, like I said, I'm so grateful that I love what I do. I really, with every fiber of my being, like love what I do. You know, I have a beautiful family. I live in a great place in Sydney, you know, got a lovely dog who annoys me, but I love him to death. You know, like I've got great friends. Like these things are the things that matter. And I think had I not listened to her, I just just wouldn't be who I am today and with the things that I have today. I love that. And one thing I love about you and the conversations we have is you are so certain on who you are, what your values are, what you want, what your beliefs are, and you don't sway from that. So I think that's beautiful advice to your 21-year-old self and something we can all take away is just to trust ourselves because at the end of the day, we know the answer. No amount of 10 or 20 other opinions on what your truth is is going to make a difference if you actually ask yourself and almost step aside and, and again, like you were saying before, like pretend your best friend is asking you the question. Mm. or asking you for advice on a certain situation, like you always know the answer within and you're the best and person. If, and if you don't know the answer, your body knows the mm. answer. So listen to your body. Oh, Even if you're not body sure. wisdom. Yeah. That's going to be a whole nother episode on, yeah, on how to listen to your body and different signs and, yeah, love that. Thank you so much for your time, Dee. You're so amazing. Guys, enjoy going and stalking for the next hour, Dee's Instagram. You are welcome. <laughs> And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Jess. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you had any value from that episode, would love and appreciate a rate, review, or share onto Instagram, tagging me at Jessica Zalance. Let's share this message and empower more women because a rising tide really does raise all ships. So together we can create a collective of wildly empowered women who really are changing the world. Now I'm going to be gifting $100 cash to one listener each month that rate reviews or shares an episode of Wildly Empowered Women for two reasons. First, obviously, to share this message and impact and empower more women. Secondly, to help you exercise that muscle of receiving. If you can't receive money, how can you receive more love, more compliments, more help, more success, more incredible desires into your life? So I really want to be able to help more women receive and also to gift that money so that you can spend it on no one but yourself. (laughs) You get to spend that money on something that makes you feel more wild, more empowered, or more woman. So I cannot wait to announce the very first winner. And I'm really excited to be bringing you more of these conversations. So thanks so much again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.